Welcome to, to the Tea Hive Podcast. I'm Marty. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. And we're all doing the introduction today because this is an episode we're putting in the can for when we're lazy or too tired to record. I thought we were subtly going to reference that. Mo- yeah, right? No, I wanted no, to be just straight up. Yeah, we're, we just want to fuck off. We got this episode just to do whatever. That's literally what No, it's what legitimately it for when schedules become too hectic. We don't want to... We don't want to Listener, we don't want you to miss out on a regularly scheduled episode of the T-Hug Popcast. With holidays and Easter around the corner <laughs> and summer in the air, who knows? <laughs> and summer seven what months What could happen to our schedule? You never know. So we're just, we want a little assurance. It's insurance for you, listener. This is all for you. So obviously we're going to try to keep things... You know, we're not going to try to date ourselves in this episode, so there might be a limited banter. What do you guys gonna... think of Justice League? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, now you've just date stamped this, essentially. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, what do you guys think of Avengers Age of Ultron? <laughs> you mean uh, Avengers I'm just being a dick. Infinity War? <laughs> I do mean that. Oh, geez, I hope this comes out before Infinity War. But this may just actually turn out to be... A lot, a, the like an archived episode, the lost archives of the Ed Bobcast. This may just, never see the light of day. Can we just replace episode zero? <laughs> oh, we should. Actually, we, should that's a good idea. we would have to redo the introductions. I was thinking of that. We that episode's really fucking bad. And I was thinking like it'd be fun to tackle Terminator again down the road. I think we should definitely revisit Terminator for sure. Yeah, for yeah sure. especially as the uh, as James Cameron's new series with it starts to pick up steam. Yeah, I think it'd be yeah. smart to jump back into it. Leland yeah, I and I will be at each other's throats once again. And you guys will be ranting about that. What was that guy, that character you're Fuck ranting? Matt Smith! Matt I hate Smith. Matt Smith! Oh, As so. a Terminator thing, I hate him. Okay, let's just do it now. All right. <laughs> so, the T-Hud podcast, or popcast as we call it, is about... Yes, yeah, we can just do this again. <laughs> no, no, no. So... <laughs> something we, we were undecided upon. Are we going to skip banter and just jump right into it? Well, it's obligatory. You have to have it. It, ha- it can be short. It can be yeah. concise, but we have to have a banter segment. And we each bring something to it. All right. I, I got some. Okay. I got okay. some. All right. So recently I watched the Goosebumps movie. I don't know if any of you are remember it. It's but... time for movie music. <laughs> <Just> but <laughs> Jack Black plays R.L. Stein. Yeah. And uh, it's in a world where all his original manuscripts for each of the original series books of of goosebumps you open them and the, the things become reality they it's like a weirdly meta movie yeah i actually i it was really like kitty kind of like, it's weird it was like a lot of <laughs> there's a, some serious implications okay i'm sorry i'm rambling i'm stumbling over myself basically if i'm a big fan of goosebumps i love those books when i was growing up i have the original series. I'm only missing three of the titles out of all 64 or two books or whatever. I had most of them as well. I'll never get rid deal. of them. I'll keep them. Yeah. Like, I ditched even the, the later iterations, like Goosebumps 2000 and all that shit. I got rid of those. But the, those originals I'm keeping. So, it was real. It was like total nostalgia factor for me. So, I'm like, they're referencing all these titles. I'm like, oh, shit, I know that. And then, like, Slappy the Dummy plays a really big role in it. And Good. Slappy's creepy. He's real menacing and psychotic and what about that stuff that makes like animals big monster blood there was no monster blood oh, no. i was really that pissed. was one of my favorite series i love there's four he he wrote four books on monster blood oh jeez. yeah i was sad that uh they didn't have monster blood but 
whatever. They had the Abominable Snowman in Pasadena, and Slappy was in there. And had the, the the mummy pharaoh thing walking around, and yeah, no, it was it was entertaining, but literally only because uh, I was kind of reliving some childhood positive memories. So hmm. yeah, it was it's good right. to have some positive childhood. But it memories. actually has one of the the starring guys is is the the main dude from Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was clay. It was kind of weird. He fights monsters and he saves suicidal. Oh, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't save. Ooh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I if you don't give a shit about Goosebumps, you're not gonna like the movie. By the way, not much of a spoiler. She's dead, like in the first. 10 yeah, seconds I of know. The show. That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers if you know nothing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it, but I did hear that there's an Alone in the Dark movie coming out. Ooh, Ooh cool. okay. Or no, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Are you afraid of the dark? Wow. Yeah. What the hell would they do with that? You know what, really, okay, that's another thing, like, it's funny, like, these are, like, kind of, like, kids, like, preteen books, I guess, right? They're, yeah. They're not even, it's not even young young adults, not even YA novels, really, right? Goosebumps? Yeah. Yeah, Goosebumps was, like, probably, I'd say, preteen. Right, yeah, totally. And they could really be horrific shit. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of them, like... He R.L. Stein really did does a good job of like riding that line between too far for his audience, but the implications, the yeah. implications. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked this so much as a kid. Like you know, you felt like you were reading up. You know, like they fit nice into their target audience, but like as a kid, you're like, man, these these aren't pandering to me. I'm like, these are some scary shit that i could, i'm pondering now i'm i'm a little boy and i'm scared <laughs> but i'm intrigued and that's i think they shaped me to the leland it i am today. definitely did shape you yeah and that's why leland laughs exist that's why yes. you're able to laugh at the, things that are horrible the famous yeah. terrible leland laugh yeah so I also don't... with that red hoodie right now you look very much like a little boy it's really <laughs> accentuating your statement well you know what they say laugh so you don't cry i'm just gonna throw out a <laughs> short story that i about leland laughs that i love so uh, we went to go see the Amazing Spider-Man two together, <laughs> and uh, I think we talked about this. Um, so this whole experience was not great for me. I had food poisoning going to the theater, so I missed like the first thirty minutes of the movie in the can. And I come, <laughs> I, I come back, the movie was bad. Bad. It movie. was fucking garbage. Dead silent theater. I don't think anyone was really having. It wasn't a, even that full. A good time. It was probably yeah, like thirty percent full. And I think this was like opening or second weekend. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the scene comes up where Gwen Stacy dies. Like falling she, down she's the falling. Clock tower. Leland opens his mouth and he's like, "No, no, 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 <laughs> no!" And like Peter's dead silent. <laughs> Gwen, you hear Gwen Stacy. He just gets her with the web, but it's not enough. She still smacks the ground. Yeah. The whiplash. Yeah, the whiplash. Just he's neck like back, smashes the ground on the clock tower. Leland's like, oh, Leland so lets go a laugh. A cackle. A cackle. That does not stop. <laughs> and I start laughing because it's so awkward. So there's two people in theater, and you can feel the eyes on us. <laughs> a, few, a few people gasp at, at the scene, yet, ha, 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 like, maniacal <laughs> laughter bursts from Leland that he can almost not s- just stifle. Like, <laughs> It, it oh, kept going. It was just like it was. A, it was a common. <laughs> it was a combination. It was like of, hiccups. It was a combination of how just like bad the movie was, and like the satisfaction. Like yes, that was like the only good part. Them killing her, really, 
And just like the satisfaction of like, this is kind of what I feel like would happen to me as I'm finishing this movie. I just got major whiplash from watching this fucking garbage movie. <laughs> it was representative of how you felt about the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Just- it's falling, falling, fall. Oh, almost. Oh. Nope. Dead. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. It was really funny. I don't know why. It just like it hit. It tickled me. It's just like man. It didn't tickle all the other people watching. It was a garbage movie. Yeah, they were probably traumatized. Probably. Moby. Banter. Um. The only thing I really got, and this is something I bought last week, and it was very, very disappointing. But I was at uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, and they had. A, like, glossy magazine for The Last Jedi. It had, like, a thick cover made out of this textured material I never usually see magazines made out of. And I was like, shit, I bet you if I buy this thing for, like, whatever it was, sixteen ninety five before tax, I bet you it's going to have no information of value whatsoever on the movie. Bought it, had it, read it during my lunch, it had no value whatsoever uh. on the movie. It was so bad. It made me so angry because a big chunk of it was an interview with J.J. Abrams before Force Awakens even came out. I'm like, I did not buy. Yes. Yes. I'm like, I did not buy this magazine to read a very clandestine interview with J.J. Abrams because, of course, he doesn't say anything about it. Yeah. Like, after I've seen that movie. Like, a, almost two years ago. Yeah. And you could tell, like, the, they were unabashed about it. The the interview was before that was released. And all it is is, like, stupid platitudes. Like, you know, they interview Mark Hamill, and he's like, oh, I wish Carrie Fisher didn't die so that, you know, we could have screen time together. Okay, great. But I heard that on, like, five other websites. Yeah. It was, you know what, I just, I guess I'm mad at myself. Because yeah, I, was I knew say. that was going to You should come. be. Why would you buy a magazine? That's like the, every cover of a magazine is designed to do exactly what just happened to you. Yeah. And you're a marketing guy. I am. You failed. I am. But. Please I, hand over your marketing badge and your marketing gun. You're off the case. Here you go. I'm no longer a marketer. <laughs> you're suspended. Get um, out of here. But I had bought a uh, James Bond retrospective that came out around the time that uh, Skyfall was released. And yeah. at least it had tons of really good anecdotes and little tidbits that I didn't know about James Bond, and I'm a huge James Bond fan, so I was kind of hoping it was like that. Like, at least give me some tidbits about the original movies that was okay. I hadn't heard before, but no. There was nothing that wasn't completely mainstream, and I got caught. Yeah, and so, listener, the moral sucks. of the story is, watch out for those magazines. Don't buy magazines. I, I found it, there was a really funny magazine front page for, like, National Enquirer, a tabloid that I saw over the weekend. It was all front page. It was like, Queen Elizabeth, she's just like we are. <laughs> what kind of story is that? Yeah, but you know what? People go nuts for those royals. Okay, People but it's like, love the royal family. They're not even saying anything. It's not even gossip. So she's an eight-year-old human that has kidney stones or some shit. <laughs> Who cares? But I guess if it sells me. Spoiler warning, listener. She's aging. Yeah. She ages just like a real human. Yeah, her diamond jubilee was like 30 years ago. She's like <laughs> double black diamond, like in scale. <laughs> yeah, she's real treacherous. You gotta be experienced to ride that mountain. Oh! Queen oh. Sex Joe! Oh, I think that's a crime in Canada. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, just don't make a joke about Prince Phallus there. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we done with this nonsense? <laughs> Any yeah. other useless banter about magazines or uh, nothing? I'm good. I'm please, please let's move on. I don't have any more anecdotes about Leland laughs. 
<laughs> All right. So today we're kicking it off with movie musings. Endless slump. It's like our podcast. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Burn. Wait. Us. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> Crickets. Um, <laughs> Crickets. Uh, so this was inspired by me finding out that the movie industry, meaning movie theaters, had the worst Labor Day in 16 years. 2017 in, in 2017, yes. was the worst one in 16 years. In case this comes out after 2018 Labor Day. Yes. <laughs> and it has never the know. best year of all time. And we're like, whoa, put our foot in our mouth. Ooh, 2017. So, so okay, so that was half of it. So I knew, and overall, the industries had a slump this year. But the second half of it is anecdotal. Us as friends and as podcasters, well, before we were podcasters, um, but we would used to see a ton of movies together. And we have commented that we no longer see a lot of movies together. You're talking about BP before podcast? Yes, BP. <laughs> That's how we date ourselves. Yeah. So BP. Like, 10 year BP, we used to see a lot of movies. Yeah, 10 BP. 10 yeah, BP. For sure. Like yeah. zero um, to 10 BP. You know, uh, I remember we used to go like probably two times a month at least. Yeah. Yeah, we would, we would like see anything that gave us a chuckle. Our interest. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. I think I saw Chuck and Larry in, in theaters. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, like literally, I'd see anything. That's funny. Yeah, and I, I guess the point here is, is like, look, we're in a slump personally, and just not going to movies and being jazzed by too many movies, and it seems like that's a trend that is reflected in the overall box office receipts. So the, the question I'll throw out there is, why do you guys think? Why this is well, Let's Moby. Start with that, I have actually quite a few answers for you. Um, Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you in advance. <laughs> the there's a, a big one. I think part of it is Netflix. It's so easy to get media in your in, on your couch and to get movies that came out like three months ago. Sometimes, yeah, things are there how, fast. Well, how many times have you said, "Ah, I'll wait till it's on Netflix"? Everybody says it. Yeah. That's a thing. It's just like, yeah. well, why would I pay $20 yeah. when yeah. I can pay my Netflix subscription? Exactly. I'm already paying for it. Exactly. I'll just wait for it. That's yeah. Like, and it's just a little delayed gratification. And I can get up and pee during it. I can pause it. I can watch half the movie. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I don't I don't have to worry about the guy in front of me who's inappropriately laughing like an idiot at Gwen Stacy dying. <laughs> yeah, and those I, guys are fucking assholes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's not sticky floors. Well, there probably is sticky floors in some people's houses. But there's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not my house. No. no. Mega made. No. We're cleaning it up after ourselves. Yeah, like Pro tip. <laughs> watch your regular movies and your pornography in separate spaces. <laughs> Thank you, Leland. I just just in case you have guests over. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes just to remind you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Your brother was the uh, expert there. So that that's <laughs> that's a big one, like Netflix. But the other part of it is really like it's it's Netflix, but it's just the fact that TV shows in general are such a I mean, for me, they're more, they're bigger for me than movies nowadays. I'd rather wa- binge watch a great television series than get hyped for a movie most of the time. There's a few exceptions to that. But um, I, I feel like long form mediums like uh, a TV series, like a 13 episode series is much more enjoyable for me. So I, I don't spend my time in theaters anymore. That's a really, really good point. That is like, a good it point. feels like the level of media out there, like the higher echelons, the great stuff, TV, movie, whatever. They're getting to the point where expectations are getting so high that they're almost outgrowing the medium of film. Like Blade Runner 2049, really, really long movie. 
Right. Now, we've had our own opinions and that whether or not the length is actually justified, you know, through whatever cinematic cuts or prolonging some scenes. But would that movie, that movie story have been better served in a different medium? Longer, like a six episode miniseries or something? Do you think it would have been Moby? I think if you could do similar production values right. and nail down the cast, yes. And nowadays you can. A six series, like know, six hour episode. long episodes, yeah. or long. even like uh, like BBC style three hour and a half long episodes, maybe. You know, those feel good because an hour and a half, like uh, Sherlock, like the first couple seasons of Sherlock, sitting down for an episode of that, like feels like a great movie. Yeah, and an hour and a half is a nice amount of time. That's pretty solid, yeah. That's not ninety minutes is a, an all right investment, kind of all around. Like even like a board game, like a ninety minute board game playtime. That's not that bad. But even some Netflix shows, they, they've uh, kind of slipped away from like the forty five minute hour long episode because yeah. they don't have closer, commercials, right. so they're closer to a full hour. Yeah, they're closer to like the fifty three, fifty five yeah. kind of thing, and yeah. they're as long as they need to be. They don't, uh, yeah. they don't need to cut to fit that time limit. And I like that. Well, you know what though. On that point, even some of the, you know, like the Netflix, the Marvel Netflix stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure we've mentioned before that some of those those series just go on like three or four episodes too long. They do. I'm watching Punisher right now. Yeah. And I could feel like even there's a bit of fluff that needs to get trimmed. I would argue differently. Uh, I would say there are clear, obviously much worse offenders. I, I agree. I agree. But, I, mean, um, I like Punisher a lot, but like... Just in general, I think 13 episodes for every series is too much. Yeah, they should really judge it and manipulate it just to how they feel. Like, they should be, they don't all have to be that long. Be as long as you need to be. Like, Defenders, they cut Defenders back. Now, that didn't save it from being fucking garbage. No. But that was strictly because it was a leadoff right after Iron Fist, which was fucking awful. Well, and fluff is dangerous. I mean, I'm a huge Stranger Things fan, but after I think it was episode two or three of Stranger Things 2, I stopped. And it took the urging of multiple friends saying, Moby, it gets better. It it starts to ramp up. I left it for about a week and a half. I'm at the part where it's starting to get better now. Yeah. Right. And and it is a bit of a grind coming off season one, isn't it? It is. Um, Because season one didn't feel like that at all. No. Every episode kept you wanting to watch Well, and you know, that's also because of the second season syndrome. It's it's not as new. It's not as, you're not, you don't need to immerse yourself because you're already in the world. That's true. But like, uh, there's a lot of second seasons that don't do that. I mean, you think about like, uh, I mean, this one's kind of a weird example because it's a completely different setting with different characters. And that maybe that doesn't fit like an anthology series like Fargo. Yeah. Fargo season two is better than season one. And, yeah, uh, season two is, I really enjoyed season two. And though. season one's really good too, but yeah. season one is like one of the, is a masterclass in TV. And, uh, and that's the thing, like what we're getting at here with these shows is that a TV show can be so good nowadays that films suffer because of it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think back to the nineties and eighties, I mean, TV was considered definitely a second class yep. medium. To the point, like, if you're a famous Hollywood actor, you you don't disgust yourself Absolutely. by going on TV. Uh, that is so changed. Absolutely, it's yeah. changed. And you know what? It all started with uh, Kevin Spacey on the great show House of Cards. <laughs> he never did anything wrong with with any... Oh, my God. I can't even say it. No, you can't even go there. No. But uh, honestly, though, 
that like House of Cards it was the the forefront of that it whole shift, them, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean that that also played a big part in even putting Netflix on the map. Yeah, that's true. And but, really making it a household like mainstay. Well, that's what I was actually really trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, realistically, but like despite whatever, whatever Spacey, you know, but is think about him as a movie star at the time to yeah. to just be like, I'm gonna be on a like Netflix streaming series. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do for the next five years. And still bring my cinematic performance level exactly to that type of media. Yeah, interesting. You know, from my point of view, I I just think the theater theater going has become a worse experience. That's my other points too. What do you think makes it a worse well, experience? Well, you know, it's funny because I get mad at the little shits in their late teens and early twenties on their phones, <laughs> hearing their cans of beer, like empty beer cans tinkle that they snuck in, you know, making noise and stupid comments. And I realized like ten years ago I was them. Yeah, that was us. That was us. <laughs> we can't be hypocrites. But, yes, we can. <laughs> okay, we will be. We're just getting old. I, I feel like it's getting worse. I feel like there's no policing whatsoever of bad behavior. Like, there have been a number of instances where in the very beginning of a show, um, you know, a, a movie theater employee is there to sign their little sheet or whatever. And the, fo- the, the audience is filled with stupid kids on their phones. It's very bright. They have to see it. And... They don't do anything. And well, yeah, what are they going to do? I don't know. Just Have you ever come s- up to the kid, you know, make point at mm. their their phone or something? Sure, I don't know. As soon as the kid leaves, when do you ever see that? As soon as that employee that? leaves, yeah. The kid's going to go guess. right back on his phone. If that's if he's been if he's inclined to be on his phone in the middle of a fucking dark theater, nothing's going to discourage that kid from. Yeah. And when do you, you know, ever see someone get kicked out of a theater nowadays? Never. Never. And that's part of my point, but to avoid those kind of situations, I end up feeling I have to go to like premium reserve showings or mm-hmm. adult only showings. Right. And by then you're spending 20 bucks plus in some cases well, on I mean, a movie ticket. Totally. Totally. Then you get drunk adults. Where do you think that those markets came from, man? That's exactly oh, yeah. what those markets are born from. That's exactly that's, that's the only thing I think for me that makes a movie, that, that add on to a movie experience that I'll pay for. I don't care about D-Box. I don't really give a shit about 3D, but Sometimes that VIP experience, man, when you don't want to have a kid running around with light up shoes, which I've seen in a theater, <laughs> yeah. running around with shoes clicking and bright flashing lights, you probably won't get that in the adult only. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. That's and true. and all that, and that plays into kind of the overarching question of this episode is what, what is the, what is that extra money you're shelling out worth compared? Compared to your experience, right? What is that value? You got to make that that choice individually of where you're getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah, and it's kind of even regardless of how. I mean, obviously the the quality of the film you're seeing plays into that, but this is all shit that we're talking about. That's outside of whatever film. All this stuff applies to any film you're going to see. Right. Any shit piece of garbage fucking thing that's bombing the box office. You're going to go see. It doesn't matter. It, it, th- that poor experience is just further decreased by these type of interactions. It's right. just people. People just suck. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I just hate people. And well, yeah. I, there's one other point I want to bring in where, where theater experiences are going bad. So we're spending all this money on theater tickets. I mean, now a movie regularly costs like 15 bucks plus. In the amount of previews and especially ads, just like commercials that yeah. you would see on TV that are loaded – 
It's like 20 minutes plus. Every single is. movie. It's it legit 20 is. minutes. And it seems like there's less than a VIP movie. Like whenever I pay for the yeah, VIP, that is true. they actually start the trailers pretty fast. I think, I think fast. you're right. I think you're right. And it's, but it's like, geez, like it's just so excessive. And then the, the don't even get me started on theater food. Like <laughs> it's ridiculously expensive to the point yeah. that you have to be absolutely famished. Well, that's the thing. It's and like, it's low quality shit, really. You know, yeah. you really, most of the time I go to theater, I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in a pop because I'm not going to want to pay $5 for a small pop. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. You know, and I'm sorry, but that's to, I'm, I'm paying for the film. You know, I'm not pirating the film. I'm paying for it. Right. And I want that film's proceeds to go to the film creators. I'm not yeah. trying to prop up this theater. I yeah. mean, obviously. I mean, you have you to. You do, start. right? But that's but part it, of the yeah. ticket sale. And it's their big comp- corporations. Like, you're paying like Cineplex. You know, they make their money. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, they do. You know, um, and yeah, like to go on a date night to a, say you went to the VIP theater, you're looking at probably closer to $70. Oh, yeah. With yeah. food. That's, that's 40 bucks worth of tickets for, right there. For two hours of something. So $35 an hour for um, like some sort of media. What, what's worth that? You buy a video game that lasts 40 hours for like 60 bucks sometimes. But no, oh, this movie's $70 for two. Yeah, yeah it's not worth it. To be frank. And what, what about when they're disappointing or like we're saying when someone in that theater ruins the experience. And to me lately, when someone is talking for during the movie or they let their kids into an R-rated movie and they're screaming, it ruins the movie for me. Yeah. And yeah. I, and because of our culture nowadays, it feels kind of hard to be like, shut your fucking mouth. I, and- I, I was just going to bring that up too. Like, it's like those people, those types of people, it's like they don't know where to draw the line themselves as far as like. Just being like decent or, or polite. I mean, it just boils down to manners, right? Yeah, yeah. It does. Like you're all in this in this place. It's a public space that everyone's trying to enjoy. Yeah, you should. It should. It's like a. It's you. Sh- it's a societal rec- uh, prerequisite that you 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 be courteous. It should be. Yeah, but it's not. And I think that's what really frustrates me is nowadays I I know I'm a good moviegoer. I know that, you know, I'm not on my phone. My phone is always on silent without fail. And I'm not usually talking to the person next to me. Right. And it sucks when you don't see that common decency anymore. I know. I actually really take effort into making sure I'm doing all those things in a movie. Yeah. Like, it's like, I would be ashamed of myself if my phone went off in the theater. Totally. Like, yeah. Because if someone else is like, I mean, shit happens. But if someone else's does, it looks bad on you. It does. You have a lot it of time really to does. turn that damn thing off. If they're right close. You know, and a lot of people just like. Are, and every movie has a please put your phone on silent yeah. little preamble too, yeah. like walking into it. And I just turn mine right off. You know, it's like, yeah. fine, fuck it. I'm going to turn it off. But a lot of people, yeah, they'll just play on it during the movie, which to me, I don't understand either. Yeah. You know? why, the, why the fuck are you there? Yeah. Seriously. You know. Totally. I mean, we have friends that do that. We'll just text. Anti-listener. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that you I mean that's a person who will have a full-on conversation in a movie. Yeah, I'm just in a movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm okay to talk. I'm just. <laughs> that's in a not movie great. Here. No, no, it's not good. We can talk. I'll yeah. give you an in-depth breakdown right now about what's <laughs> happened so far. Yeah, well, and I feel like also you know as we're we are moving away from being those rude ass little like younger kids or whatever that like your 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 tolerance meter for that shit just cranks way way down yeah like, that is true you're i'm just becoming more and more hypercritical of any little thing right 
Yeah. And you know what? Those theater seats, they recline way too much. Yeah, for tall people, man. Not big ass legs. Like, I, what was the last movie that we saw? Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. I think. There was a kid in front of you who was right up against your knees. He was right in, and I was legit, like, kicking his seat, like, kneeing his seat to get him to move forward. But the problem is with those seats, it's either you're all the way up or you're all the way back. It's tough to put it, like, I was all the way back. Yeah. Because I couldn't get the seat to stay in any other position. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and I remember when they first put in those types of seat, seating, and everyone's like, oh, they recline, cool, cool, cool. But now they're just like, they're so, they're old, right? Like, I mean, yeah. how old is that that theater? It's relatively new, that yeah, theater that we, we frequent. I think it's maybe 15 years, something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And now those seats just like flop, 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 right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's annoying. Well, my next question for you guys is... Can you think of any practical improvements that uh, theaters can make? You know, honestly, I, I don't know. Like all this, this VIP stuff, I think is what they can, what they like. They're doing what they can. I feel. Yeah, like, I feel like you they should enforce the uh, age ratings a bit too. So like, yeah. and maybe an R-rated film means like, don't let in kids even with their parents like some sometimes because like honestly it's i i get it's up to the parents but then show the kid this movie at home because you know if i go see an 18a movie or whatever it is and there's a six-year-old it one it's weird um why would you bring your kid like i went to go see kingsman and there was a ton of children under the age of six and really yes and it's super violent it's super sexual and, you know, I'm not one for being, like, you know, very Prude. uh, prudish, but, like, there's also a fucking line that I feel like they're all crossing just because they wanted a night out. It's like when I saw Deadpool. Um, That's this, another one. This cool dad. I guess he wanted to be the cool dad. He brought in this birthday party for his son. It was, like, ten kids right in the row right in front of me. And then he leaves to go watch another movie. So he didn't even see the content. He has no idea. Yeah. So, and I remember the scene where... With the strap on. And the kids are like jolting right in front of me. Like they're absolutely horrified and disturbed. And I'm like, what a fucking idiot was this guy? And he totally came off as one of those cocky, like wannabe cool dads. Yeah. Comes pick him up after the movie's over. Like Deadpool, Deadpool is not a movie for children. And children it's should not. be banned. Yeah. Like, like Marty said, there is a line. That's even in thing. 2017. You know, okay, maybe a 13 year old. I'm not like, we, I'm not going to sit here and decide the line for your kid. But, like, there's also, like, a pretty obvious age where, like, that's just not something you take a kid to a theater to see. Right. Right. And, I mean, Deadpool, I think, was honest. I believe in their marketing they actually said in at least some ads, like, this is not for children. Oh, absolutely. It's funny when you see Ryan Reynolds, like, meeting up, like, Make-A-Wish, meeting Make-A-Wish kids or something, and he's, like, dressed as Deadpool. And you're wondering, like, why do these kids, like, like Deadpool? Like, what's happening? Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. It's weird. I had two improvements. Both are very pie in the sky. One is the the most Mobius improvement that is a secret like alarm. I call it the tattle button on your chair that can call a security employee or a theater employee if like shit really hits the fan. You've got like drinkers behind you. Basically, theater you theater secret police. That's pretty much it. Because I'm like, well, buses and sky trains have it. You just like press this button and it's a secret alarm. So I don't think that'll ever happen. But that was Let's one all idea. join the Stasi. But you know what? <laughs> theater chains are so big, but if a, a independent theater that 
does first run movies ever came out with an adults only reserved seating, but it was pricing comparable to a general admission. I would be all over that. Like, yeah, yeah, regardless of the picture being shown. Yes. Yeah. I would regardless be all of the over rating. that. I would prioritize going to showings there. Oh. I think it would get me into movies more. And, like, and I think they would have trouble. Uh, they would not have trouble selling out of those time slots. Absolutely. Because it would only be like one theater, right? A full adults only theater chain would be pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they have something like that in the States. I don't know. Maybe. But like, I can't think of any adults only theaters around here. Well, yeah. I can. But that's a different kind of film. <laughs> don't bring your kids to those oh, ones. Please don't. Jesus. No. Talk about sticky floors. <laughs> you know, one thing, and I'm going to skip ahead here, but we'll we'll come back. I kind of think, uh, you know, as I've arranged my thoughts here, they're a little bit in the wrong order. But, um, you know, Marty mentioned digital distribution and things like Netflix and TV being a major... Uh, competitor for movies nowadays and theaters what kind of innovations do you think uh, theaters will try in the future might uh, think of to to become relevant what do they have to do to stay relevant i think just honestly it's a cost thing to me yeah the prices are so high compared to the accessibility of watching a film at home um maybe i've heard um talks about some sort of like home theater box that was being released where you could buy the box and then you'd essentially get the movies while they were out in theaters to watch and you could watch them at home and it would watch almost be like your home theater but you'd watch it and they're in theaters so you'd pay but you'd you'd get the film and you get to watch it at home um that's a cool idea you know, you get it right away when it comes out, so that would be cool. And it, but it would be more like a rental, right? Because you're essentially just borrowing the film to watch it once. That's at least as far as I knew about it. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it would cost a bit of money. But I think for some people, like that's the way to go. Yeah, you know, maybe that would save. Maybe that would make the money. You know, because clearly they're they're losing. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah that model though that makes that incredibly easy to make a cam pirate. That's the issue. That yeah. Have you guys heard, because I've got notes on it, have you guys heard of the Paramount VR movie theater? No. So Paramount is trying, they've made a virtual reality movie theater. And so you need like a certain VR setup to do it. But it's weird. Like you actually physically walk like around your room, but you're like walking in a movie theater. I don't know how this is programmed, but they see you can see the real people to the left and right of you in your seat. Oh, Even though it's VR from so your like home. an avatar of, it's of a, the it, other yeah, audience. Yeah, you have players. avatars of the audience members. And the first movie they're doing with it is Top Gun 3D, which caught my personal attention right away. Okay. But I think that's an interesting idea. So what, you're you're simulating the theater? The theater experience? It is a virtual theater in every way. But we hate the theater experience. Why I would I want to simulate it? Well, what if it actually shows people on their phones? Virtually? Uh, <laughs> but that, like, <laughs> that's like turning on porn and it's like the the chick in the porn is like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm tired tonight. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We're really on the pornography train. I'm this. taking my makeup off. My Whoa. testosterone is high this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that seems really weird. Yeah, it is. So weird. basically, 
uh, you're 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 using that, and so you get the big screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So what the shit do you need to have avatars of the other people in the seats? Like just I don't know why. I, I'm I, sure those I avatars don't do anything. Probably they probably just sit there, right? Probably I I don't know. Yeah, you know I'd have to try. This is such a new thing. But interesting. It's interesting. I just want to try VR in general. Yeah. Have you ever tried it with anything? No. It was better than I thought. My friend had a PC VR setup, and it, all it was was a roller coaster. And I'm like, yeah, what the shit? This is going to be pathetic. I could not stop myself from moving in my chair as if it was completely real. I was trying. It completely fooled my brain. Cool. And and it was way better than I expected. But back to movies. The one innovation I do think is most likely in the next 20 years is glassesless 3D. I think that's certainly coming. Whether they have to build new curved screens or it's a new way of programming films, I do think. Well, if James Cameron has his way. 3D. Yeah. But I, I think Cameron or not, within 20, 25 years, that'll be the standard. And we'll wonder, we'll tell our kids, yeah, we used to actually have to put on glasses over glasses in some cases. <laughs> yeah. The- yeah, they have those. It's called a play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Back to the Future. <laughs> but yeah, and I, I think out of fads, I do think that actually D-Box is going to go away. I think they take up too much space in a theater. I've never seen all the D-boxes anywhere close to filled no, at never. any time. Yeah. And it's going to be like airlines, like butts in the seats. The more butts you can put there that yeah. are paying. The more cost effective your overhead More is. cost effective. And crap. D-box takes up too much space and is too underappreciated. Well, actually, that's the wrong term for it. Underutilized. Right. Cram us like sardines in a tin. Yeah. Yeah. Put, put us in there. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, IMAX. IMAX seating. Those seats are really tightly they packed are, in there. They are. Man, you get small. you get two, you know, medium to large size people sitting next to each other, and you're shoulder shoulder, elbow elbow. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with IMAX. I won't ever go back. No, I. I mean, I, we've bitched about this before. I don't. Not my not my cup of tea. No, no. Right now, I think the sweet spot for me is just reserved seating, not necessarily adults only. I think the kids that are the absolute most annoying aren't going to pay that extra few bucks for reserved. And so, like, I was happy a couple years ago when Marty for this uh, wanted to see Star Wars The Force Awakens with me. I mean, I guess it had to be reserved seating, but... That was kind of the time where I was really getting into reserve seating and enjoying it. And it certainly helped when I saw that movie on opening night that I was adults only reserve theaters. Mm-hmm. Very polite. And, and I really think that is one thing the theaters have improved on is the reserve seating. It's mm-hmm. so nice not having to wait in line for and two hours or something. You yeah. Just, you just buy it. Four days before. It, you know, and you can show up on the theater on time. You don't have to wait in a line. And there's well, no and awkwardness. Now you can like, show up 20 minutes after the sure. screen time and still see all of the movie. Sure. <laughs> That's true. Nobody wants to see 20 minutes of commercials. Now, I hadn't seen it in many years, but especially when I was a young adult, there were a lot of cases where people like try to reserve most of an entire row. Oh, yeah. And I like how with reserved seating. You bring like half a wardrobe worth of clothing to straight they across. Yeah. It was pretty ridiculous to the point that they had to include that as one of their ads. I will say, though, that it makes it makes group viewings annoying though 
Sure. Yeah, because you have to buy take a little work around. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, someone's like, I can't make it. Like, well, I bought you a $20 ticket. Sure, but yeah. just the logistics of, oh, okay, like, one guy's got to buy them at yeah. the same time. Like, I find that annoying. Yeah. But, like, I mean, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You got to take the good, the bad with the good kind of thing, right? Right. Well, I mean, that's all I got on the topic. I don't know if anyone else has anything to add. You know, I, I think I summarized it right here. It's like, what I hated about these theaters is commercials, wait time, cost, and other people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wrote down rules. And I don't know why I wrote that. Because actually, I like the rules. Maybe rules. Maybe people breaking the rules. Yeah, yeah. enforcement like, of. Enforcement of the rules. But yeah. how do they enforce that shit? What grounds does uh, an employee have on to throw well, you out of a theater? Like, I the don't even know. Moby's secret theater police. <laughs> my, my cinema Gestapo. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is I want to buy a Jeep from all these commercials. Oh, you know what? The, that old 4x4 yeah. one, I love that commercial. Like, it gets me hyped to get a Jeep every time I see that yeah. commercial. But the new one that's like... Not as good. Not as good. Oh, is that like the redirecting? Yeah, the GPS one. Yeah. Like that one's eh. I love the, uh, the one before that. I love the McConaughey Lincolns. Those are the ones that get me. Nobody gives a shit about you that. Want, you want to try no, the front seat to the back nobody seat? Nobody buys them. Better, better they don't the show that seat. those shit in theaters. No, I wish they did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they showed his recent one where he oh, is really? sitting in the back I wonder seat. how they decide which movies to show that stuff in. No, it's not like he's swearing or having sex. They can show it in any movie. Right, but why would you show a Lincoln commercial? In a kid's movie. Because they think the parents are there, and they usually are. All right, if I'm there with my five kids, I'm not buying a fucking Lincoln. I got five <laughs> kids to tow around. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going I, with a group of kids, you got two or three kids, you're not buying a Lincoln to you're, in the back you're of you're directly it. discussing how a car's suitability for you. That has nothing to do with a commercial. That's your yes, it personal does. suitability. You can't either, what, you just shotgun this, this high-end car commercial at an audience that will never buy that? That's stupid. How do you know that? Where it's you can fill that car. slot. With something much more adequate to that audience. You're a fucking the, marketer. The Lincoln, you know this shit. I, no, I do fucking know this shit. The Lincoln is a <laughs> premium vehicle. Yeah. And it has lots of space for kids. There's oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you petition for a job with fucking Lincoln then? I didn't say you have to select a Lincoln. I said I'm the Lincoln is a choice to select. There is obviously a process to determine which movies go with which advertisements. Or, is there? Well... Yes, I think so, especially for previews there is. Okay. But I think for ads, I think you're well, whoever's you're paying to fill the space. Too specific here. Yeah. Yeah, I think they expect that adults are going to be in any you know movie thing. I'm not I'm not going to sit right. through Cars 4 to see if a Lincoln commercial is there. <laughs> no, okay. I I get I that makes sense, I guess. And why the hell But I'm saying though, I don't recall the last time I saw a Lincoln McConaughey Lincoln commercial in the previews of a film. Okay. Well, I do recall. And I can't say the date or the film. Or the film. Exactly. I do so, boom. Point one, Leland. You know what? <laughs> we just had our most heated exchange since Terminator over Lincoln. <laughs> In an extra episode, Lincoln might not be around by the time this episode airs. <laughs> it's going to be 100 be a years in the future. car company. It could go bankrupt. Did you mean Robo McConaughey? <laughs> <laughs> you should name this episode Link On? <laughs> a link to the future yeah. oh, a link to the past that was the play on words that marty was trying to go for oh crickets <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on from this damn sec right, getting out of here getting out okay. of here we're moving on to the crazy about cardboard segment and 
In this segment, the collectible conundrum segment, we're going to talk about collectible trading card games and living card games. Oh, nap time for Marty. Yeah, sorry, Marty. <laughs> but we will have, so Moby and myself are much more inclined to those types of card games. I mean, Moby, you and I have been longtime Magic the Gathering players. So that's kind of where most of our comments and experience, I think, are going to be centered on, on MTG yes. and their kind of models itself, which I think is fine because they are like the like the longest lasting, most successful collectible card game out there. Like, Yeah, they're definitely the flagship. Totally, right? So I think all models follow preceding, you know, look at, that, at MTG and be like, well, we want to be that, right? So I think it's fine to focus kind of our... Our opinions, but we're not going to be strictly discussing Magic the Gathering. We're just going to be the overall, you know, the the mindset and whether or not they appeal. Like, what is the appeal if if it's there, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we'd start with um, CCG. It's probably what we're going to be. You know, we're going to be abbreviating collectible card game, uh, same trading card game. Those are generally the same thing, and we'll get into to those models and then. This recent model, the LCG, which is a living card game, uh, basically like pioneered by by Fantasy Flight. I don't think you can. There's no living card game out there that is not put up by Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight, to my knowledge. So the main difference is collectible card games or trading card games. When you when you buy more cards of those, it's a like if you buy what's called a booster pack. It you it's random cards. That's the thing. You don't know what's in that pack. You're, you're spending money. You could get shit. Or you could hit the jackpot on a wicked rare card worth way more than the pack itself. Whereas with living card games, basically, you're not buying booster packs. You're buying basically like little expansions. When you buy an extra pack for an LCG, you know exactly what cards are in that pack. So with those two models, out of that CCG model comes this rarity. So that you don't have an LCG. There are no rare or uncommon or common cards in an lcg because if you want a specific card you go buy the pack that it comes in so what do you what do you think of those two models moby um so just so things are straight uh, with the living card game the lcg is that like what uh, netrunner is yes, yes. android okay. netrunner uh game of thrones second edition they just relaunched legends of the five ring right. as an as an lcg uh, the previous iteration of Legends of the Five Ring was actually a collectible card game. So they Fantasy Flight, have, I guess, recently got the rights to that, and they kind of revamped it and stuff. But yes, Android Netrunner is the example of, an, uh, of a living card game. Yeah, I think there's benefits, and this sounds like such a, a cop-out, there's benefits and disadvantages to each. I think in the case of the collectible card game, I love playing drafted Magic the Gathering, yeah, like where it relies on on randomized card packs right and And you make the best what you and you make the best of what you got and i love that adaptation and that you have to go in fresh with each draft you can't really pencil in because you could get a a money rare in that first pack and realize you have to build your deck around it doesn't matter what color it is right so when you say money rare you mean like good good like mechanically sound that thank you competitive card yes mechanically sound competitive card well, usually in drafting, how it works anyways is the rares are gathered up at the end. and Right, you're not, yeah, even if you draft that rare, 
card, you're not guaranteed that you're not walking away with that guarantee. No, you got to win. You got to win to get exactly the picks, to get the that pick. Yeah. So, but what I meant by that is exactly what you said, Leland. You you get a card, and you you may have to build your deck around that. Like right. you have sure. to adapt. Whereas a living card game, that's frankly impossible. I mean, you, you know right. what you're going to have. Well, it's have. interesting. They do have LCG drafts. It's like this I think is, they call it a cube draft. Um, basically, it just kind of like for Android Netrunner, it just ignores like influence and like faction restrictions basically oh so it's basically it's just a, it's like a normal draft right but so with that specific game that kind of i think it makes the draft a little harder because depending what draft like if you're drafting for the corporation side you got to make sure you got enough uh, yes. agenda points and you got to get a, a good enough ice suite to protect protect your servers and sorry listener if you're unfamiliar with Enter Netrunner, but we're not really going to get into it um, I think we've discussed it before, but I, so I saw this thing though on Board Game Geek in, in the forums. Um, basically, it was like someone was asking, "What's the difference between an LCG and a CCG?" And I thought this perfect comment summed it up: LCGs can make you poor, CCGs will, will make, make you poor. You poor. <laughs> oh, that's so good! Yeah, I thought that was it's just so on true. Point. It's so true. Yeah, because with LCGs, mm-hmm. space generally like. And Android Netrunner is really is the only LCG I've actually played and played a lot and was pretty heavily invested in up until a few months ago. But like, so they released in Android, it was, or Netrunner was called, they put out data packs, which was basically like a, the little expansion, right? And to keep up with it, and if especially if you played competitively and in tournaments, even at like store, store tournaments, if you go to a, a, a hobby board game store and they put on tournaments... You need to keep up. You need to buy every data pack to be to remain competitive, to 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 be able to react to the meta, to play within the meta within your store. And whereas with a CCG, now Magic the Gathering, I think they like the smartest thing they ever did was create standard format. Holy From a money-making hell. perspective, yes. yeah. 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 For a revenue generation, that is the smartest thing they ever did. Mm-hmm. So standard format in MTG uh, for listener is they they set so a set of Magic the Gathering was released in like blocks and usually they have I think it's now only two sets they've changed that it used to be three years. yeah it used to be three but now it's only I like two, it's two two major sets uh, within a specific universe they pick like a plane which is basically just a world like Phyrexia or something like so each of those the standard they pick a certain range of these these uh, sets that are legal for tournament play. So if you got you know half a set from the previous block and then the 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 next two sets of the current block, those are your three legal sets or whatever. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but play along. Say that it is. As soon as the the next set, that fourth set block after those three come out. That completely changes what's available in the card pool for that standard format, meaning you have to buy that new block to have as much of the card pool as the rest of your opponents have, so you remain competitive. And then, of course, you layer that with the CCG model, where you don't know what you're buying when you buy more cards. It's it's not it's money. It's oh, they just make money. And there's no way around it. I mean, we're going to jump into the secondary market here at some point. But as I got farther along with Magic the Gathering, frankly, booster packs just weren't doing it for me. I would keep 
two, three cards out of the 15 and toss the rest. Yeah, they go in the shoebox. The classic old shoebox, in, right? In my case, honestly, yeah, some in the shoebox. When the shoebox got full, garbage for some. Yeah. I got to be honest, garbage. Sure, they're not doing anything. It's no. a waste of space. It's I a waste of cardboard. It. But the problem it's is... Cardboard so... you're not crazy about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ironically. But, you know, it come to the point that, um, you know, there'd be cards I want that were new cards that came out. And I would have to wait for literally years for them to fall out a standard to be a decent price. Or I'd have to spend, for my average, I usually wouldn't buy the absolute best cards that came out, but on average, 25 bucks per four cards, because you can put a maximum of four in a deck. Right, you can buy a play, land. Usually you buy in a playset, right? Yeah, Which they're four playsets, so yeah. four cards. An average playset would cost me 25 bucks. Yeah. And i probably build a deck around four playsets, so you're looking at 100 bucks a deck. I don't want to, I probably ran, or at the moment, I haven't bought cards actually in a long time, but I would... At my peak, I would run about 16 good decks that I built. Yeah. So you're talking yeah, 1,600 nice rotation on average. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You and I, uh, we would get into like arms races. We, w- like, yes. we would just be like, I bought this card. Well, I bought this card. No, okay. Well, I just got this card. And it's like. It was an arms race. It, it, was, was, it would legitimately escalate. Tw- Twilight Struggle. <laughs> That's right. Edition. It was insane. Just dropped like hundreds of dollars on. And like singles. Like well, and we had to have detente. We had to have these periods of relaxation right. of the did, yeah. hostilities. It's like, right. like, I won't buy if you don't buy. We're resting during winter. Yeah. <laughs> We're not fighting anymore. And it's funny too. I know this is separate than like secondary market stuff, but I used to love how you had this weird self code of honor where like you wouldn't use kill spells and like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. board wipers and stuff like that. And I'd be flinging lightning yeah, bolts at you and automatic kills that everywhere. Was like, that was like our meta. You would like our individual meta we had. Yeah, I just like would hate them. But then it, it came to the point where you came with all this firepower that I would just didn't want to use. So I had to I had to arm myself. You had to arm so, yeah, myself. So yeah, I had to get into uh, get into those cards too. It's real funny. Yeah. It's real funny playing that. Because, like, I'm, you always make great competitive decks. And I like, I lean like towards... Like thematic decks. Uh, yes. That's a great thematic. way to put it. I like thema- more thematic decks. So, generally, I like, I have, I love the dragons. I love the dragons of Magic the Gathering Universe. I have so many dragons. I just, and I put them in every deck I play, whether or not they fit or not. And they're not always competitive. But, like, when you and I move and we play, and you just constantly beat me, game after game after game hands down and i get frustrated and i say no we're playing again 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 (laughs) (laughs) okay so listener here's how an average magic battle would go between leland and myself so i would put together a competitive deck say probably my most competitive deck is goblins bunch of tiny goblins they cost one or two uh land or or mana but it's really your resources to put out. And I'd have some general type of goblins that would pump their stats by plus one attack, plus one defense. But there's a bunch of different generals like that. And they would only cost maybe three or four mana to drop out. But then Leland is somehow trying to get the resources together to put out like a gigantic dragon that would cost like four of energy energy and two or three or four of different specific mana types. The more, the better for Leland. So he can put out like... (laughs) I love those big beefy guys. Thrakus, the 
hammer of the gods or something. But I peck <laughs> him away with goblins yeah. by the time. By the time he hits the board. By the time he hits the board. I'm getting swarmed and those 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 goblins aren't doing little itty, itty bits of damage to me anymore. And they're swinging for like four or five damage each. Yeah. Once those 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 boosts stack. Yeah, yeah. That's You know what? That's one thing I really love about Magic the Gathering is just tribe building. Yes. You just pick a tribe. You pick you have goblins, centaurs, uh, merfolk. Hey, I like some ornithopter. You have a great ornithopter deck. Yes. Ornithopters. So then every creature in that deck is is like an ornithopter or a goblin or a merfolk. That's what I really like about Magic the Gathering deck building. Tribes are great. Yeah, yeah. tribes are cool. And, tribes and are they've cool. ran tribes since virtually the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, it's all about synergy too, right? It's like in, in any most constructive play, it's about synergy. You need your cards to benefit from other cards. So that gives that single card way more value. Yeah. 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 And I love weird cards that I want to build a deck around. Um, one I hadn't played against you in years. We haven't played the game in like two yeah, years. Yeah, it's been a while. But uh, Dark Steel Reactor. Mm-hmm. So you can put tokens on it. Once you get to 20, you automatically win. And so uh, you build a synergy to move tokens from other things right, to absolutely. this reactor yeah, yeah. as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, another one I love, Dark Depths, which is a land. And for like... 10 mana in tapping it or something, you can remove a uh, ice token. And once it gets to zero ice tokens, it spawns an invincible 2020 flying like avatar. Yeah, creature. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And you only start with 20 life in this game. Yeah. So unless you boost your life, if this thing can hit you once, you're dead. You're toast. You're toast. Yeah, so yeah. lots of fun themes. Yeah. Like that. So, Marty, these games, have they ever interested you? Sorry, I just woke up, guys. So what are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> collectible card game. Is it Dead Space? Uh, that'll be next. <laughs> uh, you know what? So, uh, you guys have been playing this since I've known you. Yeah. And it seems like everyone, even people who aren't into them, seems to know the rules whenever I hang out with you guys. It's like everyone's playing Magic. I never... C- had interest i maybe i just i missed the boat a little bit where i was just like man i don't want to spend the time and get into it and i didn't want to start collecting them but yeah. I, it never really appealed to me i mean uh when you guys talk, started talking about netrunner i was a little bit interested because it seemed like a less of a monetary investment yeah um i think that's the big one especially for me. you're just playing at the kitchen table kind of thing exactly you know, going to tournaments or whatever yeah and i mean I probably wouldn't anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was never really into that shit. You know, for me, and I'll bring it up when we branch off into the VG segment, um, I'm a little bit interested in playing some of those games online, like uh, Hearthstone. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Blizzard game, and also Gwent, the uh, standalone from The Witcher. Yeah. And, you know, I've yeah. been I've been kind of humming and hawing about uh, getting into those. Right. Yeah, you know, so for me, the why I love Magic, it, it it plays in, oh man, I'm like driven by nostalgia because my brother and I, when we were both really young, you know, mid, mid-90s, we started playing this game. We each picked up a, the, uh, the portal, the set portal, like starter pack. So we've started pretty close to the inception of this game. I mean, before that, it was like... um Alpha and Beta and, uh, you know, Antiquity or whatever. Like, a th- oh, not too many sets before. They kind of... I think that was around the time, like, it really started picking up and, like, making Wizards some cash, I think. And it became, like, a staple. Like, he and I... It, w- it was a great thing that... It was, like, a way for the two of us even to bond. And it was just so funny. I just recall playing and just, like, getting all the rules wrong. You know, you, you like, make up your own rules. 
like um <laughs> i would be like oh hey Hey, um, my brother, come over here. Uh, well, I'll show you this one turn combo I have. And I draw the, the like twenty two cards off of my deck as my starting hand instead of the seven you're supposed to stuff. Lay down twenty like two land, drop a a one drop creature, and then blood curling scream him to boost his attack by like twenty points, and then just like <laughs> kill like one hit kill like <laughs> the stupidest shit. Uh, just it's good times, and it's like I grew up playing this game. I've been in and out of this game like half a dozen different times. And by that, I mean building a collection, selling it off. Building a collection, selling it off. Uh, translation, Leland. At least at the end, it was building a collection, give to Moby. Building a collection, give to Moby. So I've had a collection of dragons, like four different collections. And I, those are like the one thing. Oh, I'm going to get back into it. Those are the first thing I go to that secondary market and I just buy, buy, buy. Yeah. 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 So I can see trying to get into it now for you, Marty. No fucking way. There's no way I would even try to entice you. Like, no. I have too many other expensive. Exactly. Hobbies. It is such a time and money and energy sink. Uh, like it's, even if you're not going to tournaments, if you have a play group, you're playing within the meta of that play group, right? You're you're reacting to the decks that yeah. you're they're usually playing and. Like you get into arms races, trying to one up each other and and being able to compete with each other. It's just, it's you you need it's a it's an investment and you need to be into it. You can't just half ass into it, really. No, and not to enjoy it, anyways. Yeah, totally. You, know, you don't get you don't get the full the full breadth of what the game offers. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I used to sit back as an outside observer and watch you guys, I definitely saw the arms races. When yeah. you guys were into them, yeah. it was like, you guys are buying a lot of cards right now. Yeah. And like, suddenly you were just like, I got this deck, I got this dragon deck. Oh, he's got this dragon deck. Well, we got the killer for that deck. Yeah, right. And like yeah. me being like, not knowing what the fuck you're talking about. I'm just like, this sounds like ka-ching. Yeah. In, in my defense, if I ever pulled a real money card in a booster, I did always sell it. Really, yeah. Right away. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first got into it, um, well, actually it was maybe a year or so after I first got in when 8th edition, the course that was out, um, when 9th edition, so the next course that came out, um, I pulled a holographic, uh, Sarah Angel? No, it was a holographic, um, hypnotic specter. Oh, okay. Which was one of the best cards. I sold it on eBay. I put it on like a three day bid list. I sold it on eBay, uh, for like 120 bucks Whoa. for one card. See, now that is another thing in the collectible card game uh, style is you also need to keep market secondary market prices in you mind. Do. If you are constantly buying those boosters, you've got to know what is worth you keeping or you selling. Like, you, yeah, that's another thing you, you should really be paying attention to. Oh, yeah. To. My, my, and I've got a perfect story for that. So when I was first getting into it, I pulled a rare card called a Tarmogoyf. Yeah. And it ended up being a card that was worth like 300 bucks at the time. They've Whoa. since re-released it, so now it's down to time 100. Drops, yeah. But I threw it in the garbage because it looked absolutely useless like to me. And I thought it was card. pathetic and yeah. I didn't know how to look up cards on the internet and I threw it right into the garbage. That's insane. Didn't even play a single game with yeah. it. So, okay, let's move into that secondary market. What do you guys think of secondary markets in general for for games like these? I mean, even like like video games, which we can even get into that segment, but like used used video games, like that's a secondary market, isn't it? Yeah. So the stuff I was thinking about 
for the video game variety show and honestly it, it's a small segment so it's just going to kind of overlap a bit here yeah um you know the stuff i was really thinking about was the with secondary games so i used to buy games and resell them you know when i was done with them because i found like okay i've got this game it's a single player game i replay it and i real you know resell it and buy more and lately i don't do that anymore but uh, i mean i sit back and i wonder like i have this game will i ever really replay it like what's the point of the collection like are these even going to be worth anything? Like, games from 20 years ago are, but as, you know, it's like hockey cards. It's like hockey cards from the 90s probably weren't worth anything, but hockey cards from the 60s are worth something. Right. As these, uh, you know, mediums and uh, forms of media become a little bit longer in the tooth and w- mainstream and widely available, and when people realize that things can be worth money, let's keep them in pristine condition, they're no longer worth money because there's so many of them. Right, totally. Yeah. The market's flooded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's uh, pretty apparent when you go to, like, an EB Games and look at their secondary market. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and like, even even some of those those trading values, even if it's, like, one of their most highly sought, the trading value is a pittance compared to what you're paying for. Absolutely, it. yeah. Especially compared to you flipping... A piece of cardboard that you bought in a booster booster pack for five or six bucks for yeah. like twenty times it's the value of the the whole pack, right? Right, right. I think there's a definite um, threshold there where it's just not worth it to sell it to a, a video game store. I, you know, I remember one time bringing a stack of things to EB Games. It was the first time I tried to trade stuff in, and they're like, uh, two bucks, uh, three fifty, and right. I'm like. Well, how about the game's in good 10 condition. cents, 25, here's a, here's a quarter kind of thing. Some of them. Yeah, really? Wow, I've never, bad. I've never traded in a video game. I'm, I am generally a collector of all yeah. things. And, yeah. I, and I'm shying that towards that too now because it's like whenever I do, you don't make money. Unless they have like a promotion where it's like bring in eight games valued at least $10 and we'll give you $25 for it. Yeah. And I've, I actually did that to buy my PS3. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I mean, saved $200. So that's worth it. That's worth it. But otherwise, yeah, you're right. Especially like a, a sports game that's six months old is worth nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. absolutely. They make so many of those. And, you know, I feel like as we get older, like you become more selective, too, of what you're buying. Like yeah. I rarely buy video games anymore. Yeah. Like I don't even remember. I think the last one I bought was Doom. And I don't even know why. I just despite enjoying it a lot, like a full price Doom. I mean, I've never bought a full price copy of Doom. No. Yeah. Like, you know, compared to full price Witcher 3, yeah. Wild Hunt. That's what I mean about the value. It's yeah. like, and then you're sitting back and you're ever going to replay that, honestly. Yeah. It's insane. So, okay, let's go back to the secondary card market. Does it, does it, is it bad or good for, for collectible card games? Um, I think it's bad unless you're really playing tournament play in the standard or whatnot. I mean, there's cases where I've spent way too much money on cards that like flatline their value a year or so later. Yeah. Likewise, you know, there have been shitty cards that I bought that ended up being worth a lot. Yeah. And then the value ends up fluctuating. A point that I have here, which is always a difficulty with collectible card games and especially Magic... Like, you may think a card is safe from being re-released because it hasn't oh, been re-released yeah. in 10 years, and they'll drop it. Yeah. And when they drop it, the market bombs. Yeah. So, you something you've been sitting on for six months, 12 months, 36 months, 
could be worth nothing. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, that's why, like, I brought up that situation of Tarmogoyf when I was researching. I When I first went on eBay, I hadn't looked it up in years. I was like, shit, how much is this thing worth now? How much am I going to embarrass myself? And it came off, like, 90, 92. I mean, it's still a shit ton for a piece of cardboard, but yeah. it was all from a new set where it was legal and re-released back oh, into standard. Yeah. And so... The, the value of that card has gone way yeah, down. That's a fluctuating market for sure, right? It's it, so – you don't know what's going to happen. It's so tumultuous. So my point is, you know, you can get screwed if you buy high. There's no point in really buying as far as investment. Like to buy it to actually sell it To later. resell it, yeah. Because yeah, to flip it, yeah. You could be – the wizards could take the market from underneath your feet at any moment. Yeah. So I think the only case it's worth it is if you're a tournament player and you're like, I got to have this card because it's standard. I need to have it to, to build my deck. Yeah. So, okay. So that's that's positive for players, right? That's not positive for Wizards. No. And I maybe that's, you know, I'm sure Wizards certainly doesn't hurt for money in most of the things that they're selling, right? Um, but like with video games, that's not helping those developers. Do you know what? I actually read, it was, uh, oh, I forget his last name, but his first name's Mark. Is he his name Mark Rosenbaum or something like that? He's one of the lead designers for Magic. He wrote an article on Magic's website about the secondary market. And he says, even though they may lose some money here or there because people are buying old cards, he says they actually closely track card prices to figure out what kind of cards people like, what kind of mechanics are they using most of all. So he says as far as like data oh, for, it's for card quality, for they, they use that. The future of the game. So he says like Wizard has no like no bad no blood. pension, no bad blood. Yeah. They're not gonna try to affect the secondary market because it's useful for their design. Interesting. Wow, that's really cool. I yeah. like that. Okay, well, <laughs> that doesn't really translate to like Use video games though. No, you think you pick up a cheap bio Bioware game, and then like, is that going to make you in the future future releases of Bioware games? You think it's going to make you more inclined to maybe look at it? Oh, and see and get it new. Yeah, like like yeah. you pay attention to studios. Do you so think? there was a thing. I don't know. What, I think it was the Xbox One where they were trying to. Uh, it was at EB or not EB um, uh, E three, and they just said that the. Uh, the new Xbox was going to have something set up where when you buy a game, it's almost like just for that console, you couldn't resell it. Oh. And then you wouldn't be able oh. to uh, actually, uh, they, would, they, just they wanted cut out to the secondary, nip market. the secondary market in the bud. And uh, that did not fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, like that, that's one thing I don't really like about the digital medium is that I can't lend a game out. It doesn't yeah, really work I don't like the digital same stuff. way. Yeah. But I do find myself now just at a convenience and price point going, wow, this is easy. I'll just buy it online because I don't really like the experience of going into a video game store anymore. I just prefer buying it online or ordering it. So even if I buy a physical copy, I buy it online. Right. And, um, you know, nowadays the prices on a game that's six months old, if you get a sale, they're probably comparable to going to EB Games and getting a sec- like a used game. EB Games is fucking criminal. They're, they're criminals. They're though. bad. They, they're not a well-run company. They How much had, fucking money do they make on the markup of those that secondary? They had an interesting games? thing that they were gonna run starting uh, this new year, where it was like a secondary game. Um, it was gonna run almost like a blockbuster. You'd rent secondary games. 
So you'd have a price and it was like $60 for six months. You could rent as many as you want, one at a time, pick any secondary game, take it out, play it as much as you want, bring it back and then get a new one. And then at the end of that six months, whatever game you had last, you owned. So you could actually end with a game you wanted to, to stick with. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah. And because of, I was reading apparently because of how they implemented their, um, like just their systems weren't up to snuff to run this program. They did. Track who's yeah, got one, where they, um, they canned it. Wow. <laughs> At least for now. It's interesting because with the death of movie stores, we have, we basically had the death of video game rentals. But I don't really think about that that often. But I do become yeah. way more picky with what I buy. Right. Right? Or yes. wait for sales. You know, it's sorry to jump in, but with that model, that I think that was really cool because because of the last thing you got you end up with, even if if somebody has a game, it doesn't matter how long they have it, right? It's not like they're getting charged late fees. They can't come in and get another one unless they were to come with back with the one they already have signed out. Yep. So at the, that you you have something for three months that you forget about at the end of that six, it's yours now. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no there's no late fee system to worry about. There's no stupid additional charges. There's nobody that needs to uh, keep track of trying to track this thing down. Like you've paid for it. That's yours. a very good yeah. point. That's, That's what it, it's basically. Point. You yeah. pay sixty bucks and you have a rotating game for six months. That is incredibly incredibly cool. Yeah, I and really. I, like I think that. Uh, you know if they implemented it, I was thinking about doing it. But yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably would do it too. To yeah. be quite honest yeah. with you. So I mean, yeah. I'm on year three of Stardew Valley. I have to realize there's other video games. <laughs> <laughs> One's not gonna last forever. All right. Um, well, uh, why don't we just shift right into video game variety, shall we? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, like, honestly, like I don't have much. I've got something. Sure. Go for what it. What I did is I um. Now, listener, I don't know if any listener knows this, but uh, I have actually purchased several games specifically for speculation on the secondary market. And what I did in preparation for this show is researched all of them that I did and figured out, well, I, I had recorded how much I bought them for, how much they're worth currently. And kind of assembled a list of winners and losers. All right. Hit so, us. so you could brag. Uh, well, there's a couple bad losers, so <laughs> I guess I can brag about the winners. So the first one I ever bought was kind of the most well-known game to buy for speculation, uh, Clay Fighter 63 and a third Sculptor's Cut. This was a blockbuster-only exclusive uh, version of Clay Fighter 63 and a third for uh, Nintendo 64, um, and each blockbuster got one copy. And so there's very limited copies. They were not sold in stores for retail. So all the copies that exist are secondary, meaning they're rental copies. And most of them are beat to hell. I was able to secure a copy that's in excellent condition. Um, it doesn't have the box. If you still have the box, it's worth like five grand now. Whoa. Yeah, I checked it. Holy five grand. Shit. Now, I bought mine for $250. This is all Canadian funds. I bought mine for $250. Uh, for the same kind of condition now, it's 760 So that's wow. a three times increase. Whoa. Good job. Um, Metal Warriors for Super Nintendo. I have an aftermarket Super Nintendo system. Now, Metal Warriors I knew would be expensive because it was a 1995 release by LucasArts. So Super Nintendo was really kind of dying down and there aren't many copies out there. But it's also known as having the best multiplayer, the best two-player. 
on the Super Nintendo. I bought that for 150 Canadian. It's now worth uh, 330, so I doubled my money there. Cool one that all uh, for Nintendo 64 that we just inherited from my dad because he bought it for us, and my brother and sister didn't care. Bomberman: The Second Attack. I was uh, very shocked to find that game on a rarest uh, game list. So I inherited that one. So essentially, it's free. That one's now worth even boxless in the same condition I have at $430 oh, wow. Canadian. The biggest winner I have, though, it was bought for speculation, but I also like playing it. I have a great condition N64 cartridge of Worms Armageddon. I bought that for $80 Canadian, and it's in excellent condition. That For a similar condition now, uh, even out of box, it's $425. Oh my so that's God. a 5.3 times increase over what I bought it Whoa. for. So that game has just really picked up steam. Now, one I thought was going to be worth a lot more that uh, was actually the second I... Well, I never originally bought it for speculation. So I bought Xenoblade Chronicles. I used to work uh, in a suburb that had a Best Buy nearby. I went there at my lunch hour and I wanted a, a Wii game. And it looked like a cool game. We didn't have too many RPGs, so I bought it. And as usual for Moby, I didn't play it forever. So I put it in my rack. And then Marty comes over one day and he's like, hey, can I play this game? I'm like, why the fuck do you care about this game? He's like, this is actually like a super rare game and it's supposed to be awesome. And so I looked up Xenoblade Chronicles and it's actually part of something that was called Operation Rainfall. So basically there are three really awesome RPGs, third party RPGs for the Wii that Nintendo was not going to have released in America. And a bunch of Fans literally did a snail mail write-in campaign. They mailed Nintendo of Japan all these letters asking for this these games to be released in North America, and it worked. It worked. So Xenoblade Chronicles is the most famous of those three. I bought that one for $80. Now it's worth $200 sealed, which is, yeah, okay, I doubled my money. But I thought it was going to be worth a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah. And, like, I have a playable copy, so I bought mine $80 sealed when it was rare. I wanted to play it. I bought a used copy for $120, bucks, oh. complete in box, so but there's, still. There's your There's my whole, so have you, whole investment. Have you noticed that it's, like, still trending upwards, though? Not really, because it has a digital release now, or oh. had digital re- release yeah. for Wii U. I don't know no, if it's on Switch. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just for Wii U. Yeah, you got me a copy of that, actually, too. I did. And you're okay, so I've lost money. That's right. Uh, I'm putting yeah. all those dollars together. That's yeah, right. I, I own money. all the Xenoblades. <laughs> um, Every copy. Now, one I was disappointed with. So, the second best Operation Rainfall is called The Last Story. And I bought the collector's edition sealed. Now, it came with an art book and a soundtrack. And it was made by like these, um, the guys that made Final Fantasy, some of them. Mm-hmm. And it got really good reviews. But I bought the collector's edition for 100 and 100 bucks, and now it's worth 110 And I was going, That's such yeah. a, a pretty cheap collector's edition, though. It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. now the losers. One minor loser, one big loser. Well, I guess Xenoblade's a loser now. Uh, Pandora's Tower, which is kind of the... the um, I don't know the term. I don't want to use red-haired stepchild because I've used that a bunch of times in the <laughs> podcast. But that is the – it's still good, but it's considered the weakling of the Operation Rainfall. The there bl- we go. That's the term I'm looking for. It's Our the apologies black sheep. to all black sheep. 
Yeah. I um, bought it for seventy five uh, bucks new. It's now sixty five, so I've lost ten bucks oh, sealed. Yeah. Uh, but the worst is I bought Monster Hunter Try for the Wii, and that one was eighty bucks, and it like spiked to like two hundred and twenty a few years ago, and now it's down to thirty five sealed. And whoa! I, yesterday I went, what has happened? And I, I was like, is this Wii U or Wii? But no. So did you, you've never played that? No. But I have a more annoying never played story. So as I went through my collection, I knew I had bought a Wii U Xenoblade Chronicles for um, speculation purposes. And it's open. And I have no clue how it's open. I've never played it. But it's it's open. And it wasn't. And I, I don't know if, like, my brother opened it or my... Like, I, I don't know how it got open. That's weird. But so now I currently have a bid on a sealed one because I was so pissed off oh. that it's open. Uh, that'll be my playable copy. And I want a sealed copy of Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm surprised you didn't play it. That was like the only good like RPG for the Wii U. I know. Well, well only I barely RPG played the, the Wii, U. Wii U at all. Only Zelda did I really <laughs> Happy play. birthday. Yay. But see, this is, I have gluttony. I realized I have digital gluttony. Because there are a lot of games I still have to play. Like, I've got uh, a game for PS2, Front Mission 4. I've had that sealed since 2004. Do we have to keto your spending, too? Oh, my too? goodness. But <laughs> I, I want to play it at some point. That's why it's not on the speculation list. But I actually have to play these games. Okay. So, okay, that brings up the question, then. When, if ever, would you sell these to then reap your profits? That's like, a good point. I think if I ever see a big spike in any of those games that I wouldn't play. Like if Bomberman spikes more, if, uh, well, even if Clay Fighter, because I don't play that a ton, but like Worms Armageddon, I don't think I'd sell because I have so much damn fun playing that with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have to be like thousand bucks or something. Yeah, totally, to totally. Right, and then that, that kind of factors into what what's the value you're getting from your collections of whatever. Like, talk about unplayed, my my Borgen collection, I have like at least a dozen, maybe a little, a couple more unplayed board games in my hundred and twenty five ish game collection. Like that's a that's a pretty good chunk yeah. of unplayed games, but it doesn't really bother me. I I I see my collection. I mean, I see building specifically a board game collection as being able to cater. To all play groups, play numbers, and play styles. So if I got a few unplayed that's waiting for the perfect group, I'm all right with shelling out that money, and I like having them on display on my shelves. Mm-hmm. So that's that's value I get. I mean, I, I just like I said, I'm a collector. I get the, I get the value out of just owning them and being able to view them and read the rules and play with the component and even you know. That's why also why I think the it's a little bit of a trend right now. Like, more and more games are coming out with solo variants or solo capabilities. I think that's great. I think that's that's perfect for, for a guy like me that doesn't often get to get a play group together. Not nearly as often as I, I could stand to, to play through games. But yeah. if I got a hankering, I could try a solo variant. And and oftentimes, it's not just something thrown onto it either. It's it's legit, like, like Scythe and Viticulture. They have this... Uh, this solo system called the uh, Automa, and it comes with its own like solo rules and stuff. I played Solo Scythe a couple times. It's challenging and difficult, and if you like that game, then you're probably gonna like the solo version. Mm. 
It's interesting because I feel exactly what you just described for my movie collection. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And even to the point that, like, I will check if a movie's not on Netflix and I might want to watch it, I will buy it. You can buy it, yeah. I've still got I've, – I've got more movies than I'll admit still sealed waiting to be watched when the whim hits me. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, I don't know if you get into this point because it's board games, but all of a sudden there'll be like a night, like a Friday night where I'm alone. And I'm like, fuck, I got to watch this movie. And yeah. it might be a movie I've owned for three years and never watched, but I have to watch this yeah, you, specific you get movie. a hankering, right? And yeah. I get a hankering. And I got to follow through. And that's the reason why Netflix will never be a total solution for Moby. Hmm. Never. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Never. So what are you? Uh, well, it's funny when you have like sealed, like none of my games are still in drink. As soon as I get a game, I open and I punch out the stuff and I play with everything and I read through the rule book. Yeah, but you know what? It's funny because I think if DVDs and Blu-rays had books that like all gave trivia and stuff and, yeah. and good information, I would have opened them in. too. Yeah. But but I you know, it's not it uncommon uh, that some people just have s- still like fresh shrink wrapped copy like games on their shelf just waiting to be opened and played. Oh, I've got like that ten others. That boggles my mind. Uh, that boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. How do you not want to get your hands on in, into that box? I open in everything instantly. Yeah, you know, totally. I, if I get a video game, even if I'm not playing it, I open it. Yeah, and there's nothing in them anymore. No. I just look at it. I'm like, ooh, it's pretty. And I put it away. <laughs> shiny. The back of it's shiny. Yeah. Well, shiny. I see my shell. This might be fun someday. Yeah. One thing I got to debate. So um, a co-worker actually recommended to me, which is on the surface of it is a no-brainer idea. I mean, I've got well over, I think I've got six or 700 Blu-rays and DVDs, a whole Fuck. closet from bottom to top, and then st- stacked on top of each other yeah. as high as I can reach. But he said, you know, you can buy these plastic sleeves like you can for card games and you just take all your DVDs and Blu-rays, put them in these sleeves in these binders. Sure, you'll have like three or four thick binders, right. but all you your stuff will discs. fit in there. And I'm like, okay, like, do I want to throw away all my Battlestar Galactica That's cardboard That's stuff? insane. That's the dumbest no, thing I've ever heard. No, don't do that. That is the stupidest. That's like, I'm not going to take, that's like me taking out my fucking board games. Putting the components in their poly bags, just laying them on the shelf with the with the maps kind of in one. That's stupid. But you know what? I might do it for certain films that I don't care and like leave the special editions and box sets there. Yeah, just and then the, just just to the... reduce the overall size. Okay. Mm, yeah. I think you'd be you'll regret that. I think that that destroys the idea of having the collection. Even like if it's like knocked up, just like a generic comedy. Yes, because, you know, having, well, I have 700 Blu-rays and DVDs and they're all on a shelf here and you can literally go through them. Oh, and by the way, I have some loose ones sitting in that binder over there. I do enjoy that. Yeah. So do you, when do you peruse your collection? You go to your shelf yes. and you look, what would I like to watch right now? And, and something I actually your spend eye. time. I, I look through them. I read the backs, yeah. you know, even if it's films I've already seen. I, you're right, Leland. I do treat it like it's a, a, it's a library. an esteemed library. Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. And I, I will spend on a Friday night or whatever, like I'll spend 10 or 15 minutes picking a movie. Just picking out a movie, yeah. Oh, part of the American Pie, Anal Adventures. Hey, <laughs> a coming of age tale. As long as it's not American Beauty with the now disgraced Kevin Spacey. Oh, that hits too close to well, and like half the collection's fucking Weinstein because he's made <laughs> half of the movies. Let's put some space between us and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is really answerable, but the, the ultimate, like I 
alluded to earlier, the the final question kind of is, what what are all these hobbies really worth to us? Uh, I mean, how do you put a figure on? How do you even like answer that? that? Yeah, like I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, that was like the, really what we're talking about. Like, what? Pretty much. What it's, is this worth? Yeah, and it's personal it's value. So personal and subjective and different for everything. I mean, I have some board games kicking around my house. They're not worth anything to me because board games aren't worth anything to me. Right. Not. I don't collect them. Right. But my video games sure are. Yeah. And I keep. For now I collect. I, I hold on to them. I didn't used to, though. I didn't used to keep the boxes for N64 games. I sure as hell wish I did. Yeah. And yeah. Can you imagine, like, Super Nintendo boxes? Oh, man, I wish I kept those things. I didn't know that, though, as a kid, right? No. You never do. You know, you don't. You don't until it's too late. Yeah. Unless you're one of those weirdos and you're, like, the, the weird kid, and then you're rich later. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, but for me, I, I don't know. I don't. It's different for every game, but, like, it's worth as much as it needs to be, you know, like as much yeah. as I need to spend, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, you can't. That's not something you can generalize. No, like I can't say I can't answer. What is the hobby of tabletop gaming worth to me? Because it's worth so much to me, even if I come across a game that I hate or didn't enjoy as much as I wanted to, you know, like. That's so generalized. You can't answer that. How do you answer that? No, you know what? I think it's at the end of the day, all of us love our our individual hobbies that we specialize in on this show. You know, I couldn't imagine my movie collection being stolen or destroyed in a fire or something. I'd be absolutely devastated. I would cry. I mean, like I break down like a little kid. And I think Leland, you would too. And and Marty, if your whole collection went up in smoke, you'd probably just kick down a house. But uh, the rest of us would cry. I'd be okay. (laughs) Okay. Get out of here. You know, what used to frighten me was losing my save files. (laughs) <laughs> like like on like ps2 i had uh for the longest time it actually finally like i checked my old uh, memory cards a while back and like i transferred all the way from ps1 some of these things to ps3 on this memory card wow and i would look and i had like my final fantasy 7 save on these memory cards i might some of them might still work the ps2 ones don't though um last time i checked i, I think i ter- put in resident evil 4 when we were uh doing the last Ariathon on a ps2 and uh the the hard file drive, is corrupt. The hard drive is like wiped. Oh no! Yeah, so like maybe wow. the uh, memory cards are still good, but yeah, files are corrupted yeah. and like things are just not. Oh no, that's precious data. But like I had uh, like from like 1997 Final Fantasy VII save files with a hundred wow. hours on them, and like wow. I'm looking at the, you can see the character names and stuff. I'm like man, this is like these are this is nostalgia right here. Yeah, right. And that's the stuff I didn't want to lose. It's like opening yeah. a time capsule. Yeah, it is. It really is, and that's your personal history right there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it totally is. Holy yeah. crap! I mean, that's 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Fuck. Oh man, man. Oh man. Okay. Cool. Cool. Good? Yeah, good. I think that's okay. it. Hey, that was actually better than I thought it would be. Honestly. I like that. It was nice. That I was a good, good that episode. Not too bad. Good. That's a nice one to have as a, as a backup for yeah. you, listener. So you're still going to get quality, even if we shit the bed one week. It was great. We had a good discussion about movies and how they suck. <laughs> I got a great nap <laughs> at the beginning of the collectible card game segment. <laughs> and I jumped right back in there like nothing happened. We fiercely debated the concept of the Lincoln as a family vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> randomly oh. out of nowhere yeah, that's funny that be the link to the past marty come on you idiot <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, let's let's do the end of the end of the show stuff here. We got crickets, crickets, <laughs> crickets. Okay, if you like us, look for us on Facebook, the T Hud Podcast. Try the VR app, the T Hud Podcast VR app. That's right. You could be sitting here while we record, looking at our beautiful avatars. Is this well, we're episode going to release that far into the that? future? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm hedging my bets. That's, that's fine. Yeah. That's good. I like it. I like it. Well, anyways, visit our Facebook page. You know, like and subscribe. Give us some iTunes reviews if you if you feel the obligation. <laughs> and you can sh- check out our show notes at our website at the ttpopcast.wordpress.com. Hell, you know, by the time this airs, that actually might be an actual website if I ever get around to doing that. So that might be a bad link. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Anywho, he'll, I... He'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes. I have been Leland Steele. And I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Thanks, See you later, listener. listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>